0: Well, you're still here. You didn't skip the worship service when you saw that Jeff Reeves, the minister of music, was preaching the sermon this morning. You must be brave. Today our pastor and youth director are away on a well-deserved vacation. They're re-energizing, so be in prayer for them as they're away and as they travel back home. As I said earlier, if you have your Bibles, will you turn to Joshua chapter 4 once again? Joshua chapter 4, it's always good to see God's Word, and to hear it. Joshua chapter 4, we're going to be looking at a lasting legacy. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, and as we've already heard, it's a day when we, we commemorate and memorialize those who have given their lives in active service to our country, whether that's during peacetime or during times of war and conflict. We have many memorials in this country constructed. Both in this country, but also in countries around the world. I was amazed when I looked it up and saw there are national cemeteries in places like France, the Netherlands, England, South Korea. We have them all over the country to remember our soldiers. And we know that tomorrow, leading up to tomorrow, small flags are being placed at their headstones, their markers, to remember them, to help us to remember those who gave their last full measure of devotion, as Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address. So, in our scripture today, we see that God's people are also instructed to erect memorials. God had an external covenant with Israel. If they would obey Him, they would possess the land forever. Abraham was promised that, and it was passed down to his children. We know, through a series of events, that they wound up in Egypt. There was a great famine. And over 400 years they were there, and during that time they became slaves to the Egyptians. They cried out to God, God save us, deliver us from this oppression. And God sent Moses to them. And if you've seen the Cecil B. DeMille movie, The Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston, you know how that turned out. They went to the eastern shore of the Red Sea. They were getting out of Egypt. Pharaoh changed his mind and came after them. They were trapped. They said, God, help us. Why did you bring us to this place, Moses? And God told Moses, stretch out your staff and tell the people to be still and see the glory of the Lord. God parted the waters of that Red Sea and allowed them to cross over on dry ground. After that, they spent about 40 years wandering around in that desert. Why did they spend 40 years wandering in the desert? Why did it take them 40 years to get to the promised land? It's not that far away. Well, they were disobedient. They didn't go in when they could have. They sent 12 spies into the land. They came back and said, the people there are are giants and we're like grasshoppers. So ten of the spies said, no, we can't go in. Two, Caleb and Joshua said, yes, we can. We can do this. So God, because of their disobedience in going in, allowed Caleb and Joshua to remain alive and enter the promised land later. But the rest of that generation died off. And those under them, their children and grandchildren, were able to go in. And it's at this point, In the book of Joshua, chapter 4, that we see they're crossing over the Jordan River. They do that in chapter 3. In this passage, they're told to erect two memorials. We are also to erect memorials, memorials of remembrance. We're not to lay up treasures on earth, things that are temporary, that don't last. Instead, we're to lay up treasure in heaven. For moth and rust do not corrupt, and thieves cannot break in and steal. So today, from this passage, I ask you, what legacy are you leaving behind? What memorials are you leaving for your children and your grandchildren to see in your life? God's Word instructs us to live lives of obedience and surrender, as if we are erecting memorials of Christ's victories in our lives. Why why do we do that? So that we can pass that on to our children. So we can be found faithful. We need to leave a godly legacy. Memorials in which we instruct our children about the great things that God has done for us. So in verse 1, chapter 4, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. So we find there that everyone has crossed over safely to dry ground. God did a miracle. He did the same thing for them crossing into the promised land that he had done for them when they were leaving Egypt. They were in the desert for 40 years. In a place where it's dry and barren. And now God is commemorating their move from one point in their lives to the promised land, to a new place where they were promised that they would have. And we're not talking about just a few people crossing over on dry ground. We're told in verse 13, that of two and a half of the tribes of 12, that 40,000 men are ready for battle. That's just two and a half of the 12 tribes. There are 12 tribes in all. They are a mighty nation. And the priests are supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant before them. And they're to step into the water. The water is flowing violently. We're told in chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, that the waters are flowing violently because it's flood stage. It's time for harvest. And the Jordan River always overflows at that time. We know that the Jordan River is flowing violently because it starts a thousand feet higher at its headwaters than where they're crossing over so it's fast there's lots of it and god does a miracle for them one of the things about the ark being carried is that it's a picture of christ think about that god's showing them that he goes before them We need to be reminded today, Christ goes before us. He prepares the way even when it's difficult and we see no way forward. In verse 2, God instructs Joshua to choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Why do you suppose he does that? He does that pretty much throughout the Old Testament. Choose one man from each tribe. He tells them to grab large stones And to set them up as a memorial. Twelve in the middle of the Jordan River. And twelve when they get to camp. Well, I believe this is symbolic. Symbolic of unity. They're not one tribe. They're one nation. What does that say to us? How does that relate to us today? Well, Christian, you're not alone. This church is not one lone church. We're a part of a worldwide universal church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. He has bought us with His precious blood. We are to be unified by Him. He's with us. We have each other to encourage one another and to support one another. We aren't to quibble, we're not to fight. We're told by Paul, our fight's not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and the powers of the air. The dark world. Against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We need unity. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying, God, unify them. May they be one. Paul, throughout his letters to the the churches, said, I urge you, brothers, be one. Be the body of Christ. So we need to be unified. In verse 3, God instructs Joshua to tell these 12 men to retrieve a stone from the middle of the river. According to verse 9, they're to set up 12 in the river. Now once the river comes back together, why do you suppose there are 12 stones in the middle of the river? They can't see them. Their children probably can't see them. I I would imagine... God could see them. And the people could say, with faith, we know that there are 12 there to this day, as the Scripture says. They're not supposed to carry small rocks to their camp. These are large stones, as big as they can carry. And I imagine because they're probably young men, they're trying to see which one can carry the the heaviest rock. They get to Gilgal, which is about two miles away, and they, Joshua sets up these stones as a memorial so that they will remember and they'll be able to tell their children what God had done that day. This was a sacred place and these were sacred stones. Do you have sacred things? Do you have things, maybe a, a watch, pocket knife, a ring? some other piece of jewelry that you intend to pass on to your children as God's people we need consecrated items also maybe not tangible items but those things that are intangible that your children hear you praying or you share with them a story and how God miraculously acted in your life saved you perhaps from cancer or some other terrible thing it's great have these consecrated items to pass on to our children as memorials. In verses six and seven, we're told they were told to retell these to their children and their grandchildren. What kind of legacy are you passing on? Are you telling about the things that God has done in your life, to your children, to your family, even to your friends and neighbors? In verse 4, we're told Joshua did not question God's instructions. He believed what God had said, and he immediately began to carry them out. And he instructed the people in what God had said. My question for you here is, do we question God's leading? Are there times when we say, God, is that really you? Do you really want me to do that? how will you respond? Will you say, yes, Lord, as Joshua did? Or do you ignore or even simply change those instructions to fit your own comfort? The Israelites did not question. We're told in verse 8 that they did just as they were instructed. They saw the river in front of them and they stepped into the water. The water hadn't parted. Think about that, the faith that it took for these guys who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It's heavy. It's heavy. And they step into the water. That's then when they showed their faith that God parted the waters and made the way dry. So today, what is God instructing you to do? Has there been a time when you knew He wanted you to do something, but you refused to do it? Or maybe you changed what He was calling you to do so that it fit your lifestyle. You cannot call Him Lord if you don't do what he says to do, what if Joshua and the people had refused to cross the river? Do you think they'd still be in the desert? Can you imagine living life forever in a dry and barren place? When the Lord has for you a promised land, a place of great blessing, what signal does it send? To your children, to your family, to your neighbors, to others in your church. When you refuse to do what God tells you to do. The Hebrew people did as they were instructed. Additionally, notice that they didn't alter the instructions. They did exactly as they were told. When God gives us a set of instructions, do we avoid them or change them? There have been times in my life, maybe you can remember in your life too. Maybe you've got a toy that you're putting together on Christmas Eve. Maybe it's a new piece of electronic equipment. I know back in the 80s and 90s we had VCRs, which are no more. But in order to program them, you you might think, oh, I know how to operate this. And then you get to a place where you're stuck. And what do you do at that point? You go back to the instructions. We are to go back to the instructions, to be faithful to God. God will bless us when we follow the instructions specifically. These men didn't say, the stones are too heavy, or why don't we just pick up six stones and two of us each get half the load we would normally have. They didn't do that. They followed the letter of the law that was laid out for them. And finally, as a result of Joshua's trust in God's instruction, we're told in verse 14 that God exalted him among the people. God saw to it that Joshua was revered by the people. So don't miss this. If you want your children, if you want your family, those around you to revere you, to lift you up, to think highly of you, You need to trust and obey God specifically. Jesus said, then they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. You will be laying up treasure that is eternal. Through the generations, you'll be a link to the godly Christ followers. One day this earth's going to be destroyed, we're told. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We spend so much time going after the things of this earth. We try to lay up treasure here on earth when we need to be laying up eternal treasure. Laying up memorials so that those who come behind us will be pointed to Christ. Those things we do for Jesus are the things that will last forever. Living a godly life. Obeying Him in all things. Those are the things that result in His exaltation, and a godly legacy to all who follow after us. So before we leave today, I need to ask you, do you know God? Do you have a right relationship with Him? Within this group, there may be someone who's never trusted Christ as their Savior. The Bible tells us a right relationship with God can only result by trusting Him. And doing like the nation of Israel did when they stepped out in faith, believing Him, to cross the Jordan River. Today, you may need to step out of the desert into the promised land. Today's the day of salvation. We urge you that you would come forward, make your decision public today. Don't leave here without trusting Christ. And then there are those of you who may be here who know Christ. But I ask you, what kind of legacy are you leaving behind? What memorials are you building? Do your children and grandchildren know of your faith in Christ? Will your legacy be earthly treasure or eternal treasure? Will your accomplishments follow you into eternity? If not, I pray you'll consecrate yourselves today as the people did before they crossed over. Set yourself apart. Perhaps you need to recommit yourself to God. If you'll do that, God will be exalted and He'll raise you up. This morning I'm going to ask us to stand and sing hymn number 434. The hymn as I have decided to follow Jesus. I hope you can sing that this morning. If you need to pray, come pray. If you need to make a decision to follow Christ, come down. I'll be at the front. I'll pray with you. If you need to make another commitment, you can come forward and make that public also. But let's stand now and sing hymn number 434, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus.